All right. Well, good morning, everybody. Oh, that was a good one. You guys are way better than 9.30. Don't tell them that. Um, hi, my name is Maddie. As Lindsay said, I'm so excited to be with you all this morning. Um, uh, like she said, I'm from a church called Hopeville. We're just a few miles up the road. Um, I have the pleasure of being their uh, discipleship coordinator there, but uh, I am just so excited to be with you guys today. Um, and I know that you guys don't really know me. I don't really know you. So I thought that it would be super helpful if we started today by me sharing just five things about myself so that maybe we can get to know each other a, a little bit better. Because I know you might be like, who is this girl? Who let her in? I understand. I would do the same. So I would love to just tell you five things about myself. The first thing that you should know about me is that I was actually born and raised in Maryland. And because I was born and raised in Maryland, I care a lot about some things that don't really matter that much. So let me give you an example. I just graduated from a school in Tennessee. Uh, it's called Milligan. And a lot of people at Milligan really liked this thing that they called shave ice. They had shave ice everywhere. And every time my friends wanted to get shave ice, I would get a little bit frustrated because I would say, I know you guys have shave ice, but snowballs are so much better. Now, I have brought up the anatomy of a snowball to prove my point here really quick. As you can see, we have the marshmallow on top, shave ice, none of that. Orange, this is probably egg custard flavored. Amazing, 10 out of 10. The ice is thicker, the spoon is longer, everything about a snowball is better, all right? This is a hill that I'm willing to die on, and I just really felt like I needed you all to know where I stood on this topic. Like I said, it doesn't really matter, <laughs> but I just needed you all to know where I stand. The second thing that you should know about me is that because I am from Maryland, I tend to sometimes speak in what my family refers to as Baltimoreese. I don't know if you've heard of this before, but I will say things like Baltimore instead of Baltimore. And I'll say like, oh, will you turn the light on instead of on? People say on. I don't even know. That doesn't make sense in my mouth. People will say, uh, can you get me the tin foil? No, no, no. Give me the tin foil. All right. So I just needed to prepare you. If you hear me breaking out in my Baltimoreese, just ignore it. I trust that some of you might have that too. And I appreciate that we're in this together. All right. The third thing that you should know about me is that I actually fully believe that it is so much more annoying to not be able to forget things than to forget them. And I know that was confusing, so let me say it again. I think it is so much more annoying to not be able to forget things than to forget them. All right, let me give you an example of that because I still, yeah, it's a little confusing. I would consider myself a very forgetful person. And my forgetfulness is definitely bad now, but it was even worse when I was in high school. Let me give you an example. I was on the swim team in high school, all right? And at the end of the year, we gave everybody these things called superlatives. So some of the superlatives could be like, best backstroker, or like, best team spirit. And for two years in a row, my superlative was called, have you seen my superlative? because of the amount of times that I lost my cap and my goggles and I asked when practice was, I am a very forgetful person. I know firsthand how annoying it is to forget things. 
but I still think it's more annoying to not be able to forget. So let me give you an example of that. About once a day, just randomly, I'll be minding my own business, and then I remember something embarrassing I did like 10 years ago that nobody else remembers, but I remember, and it's the worst. And I just want you to know, if you're ever walking down the street and you see someone just like minding their own business, having a good day, oh, look at me over there, oh, that'd be great. And then you see them go, just know that they just remembered that one time that someone waved to them and then they waved back, but then they were waving to the person behind them. So then they had to do this thing where they just go like this and it's really awkward. That's terrible. I would love to be able to forget that. I would love to be able to forget the countless times that I have tripped down the stairs or like Lindsay said, I just graduated from college. I would love to be able to forget the times that I've messed up on an exam. I would love to be able to forget Maybe even the times that I have hurt my friend's feelings, or maybe when my friends have hurt my feelings. I remember one time when I was younger, I had accidentally said something to offend, offend a friend, and in response she said, oh, don't worry, I forgive and forget. And in that moment, that response was very comforting to me. But in reality, I know that it is actually so, so hard to forget things like that, especially when it just happened. Of course, over a period of time, eventually, she'll probably forget. But for me to think that in that moment, the offense was forgotten, that's just not realistic. All right, we got a little bit off track there. The fourth thing that you should know about me is that I think God has a very good memory. And you might not think that God's memory is like a super heavily debated topic, but I don't know. I, I also feel like I'll frequently hear people say, well, it's okay. God forgives and forgets, just like what my friend said to me. And I have to say, I understand why people say that. There's a passage in Jeremiah that says, no longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. That last section there, I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more, that sounds a lot like forgive and forget. But in my defense, there are other verses, like Psalm 136, 23, that says God remembered us when we were down. His love never quits. So while the first passage may seem like God forgives and forgets, I want to argue that God isn't forgetful, but that our God forgives and remembers. God has a rock-solid, unshakable memory of his love and mercy. And understandably, if he remembers all of the good things, of course, of course he's going to remember the times that we've messed up. Of course he's going to remember that we are broken or the times that we've gone against his instruction, but we want a God with a good memory so that he can also remember that he redeems us and that he loves us and that he cares for us. My friends, let this truth wash over you right now. Our God says, yes, I remember when you sinned, but more than that, 
I remember my promise of mercy. I remember your wounds. And even more than that, I remember my promise to heal the brokenhearted. I remember when you were crying out to me in pain. And more than that, I remember my promise to never leave you and to never forsake you. I remember when you ran away. But more than that, I remember my deepest desire to know you and to love you. Psalm 25, 6 says, Remember, O Lord, your compassion and unfailing love, which you have shown from ages past. Our God isn't pursuing us because he can somehow manage to forget what we've done. No, our God is pursuing us because he has a good memory. He remembers us in our loneliness, in our brokenness, in our anxiety, in our depression, and in our oppression. And more than that, he remembers his promises to be with us, to never leave us, to guide our steps, and to bring an unimaginable hope for a future. I don't know about you, but this is very good news for me because I am a very forgetful person. There have been so many times in my life that I have forgotten my worth, that I've forgotten my value. I've forgotten how much God cares for me as his beloved daughter. I've forgotten that he is my comfort and my peace. I have run from God. I have worshipped other things. I've struggled with anxious thoughts and with pride. I have lied. I have cheated. And still, my God knows all of that, and he remembers that his love for me is greater. And friends, his love for you is greater. No matter what you've done, no matter how many times you have run away, no matter how many times you have forgotten your worth, his love is greater. He remembers you. In Ezekiel 34, 11, it says, for this is what the sovereign Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. First John 4, 19 says, we love because he first loved us. Psalm 105, 8 says, he remembers his covenant forever, the promise he made for a thousand generations. Friends, it is all over scripture. Our God knows everything that we have ever done. He remembers every time we have turned to other things for fulfillment. He remembers every time our pain was too much for us to bear. And he remembers and is reminding us that his love is more than enough. And he is inviting you to go with him, to go to him with open arms, to receive an unimaginable joy and forgiveness. And maybe... You're sitting out there, and you're like kind of tracking with what I'm saying. But at the same time, you're wondering, why do I need forgiveness in the first place? God knows I'm, no, I'm not perfect, so why does he care what I do? Why is my sin such a big deal? That's a great question. To that I say, the God to which I'm talking about is a perfect he is love. He is kindness. He is the standard to which we were created. 
And when we sin, it's not a personal attack against God. God isn't so fragile as to fall apart when we sin. Oh, it hurts God when we sin because it separates us from his perfection. If he is the standard of all living things, that means that sin could result in us harming ourselves or in result in us harming another. Let me give you an example. If you're a parent and you're talking to your kid and you're cooking and you say, hey, the stove is on, don't touch it. And he's like, I'm not going to touch it. Why would I touch it? The stove is, I'm not going to touch it. And you're like, don't touch the stove. He's like, I'm not going to touch the stove. And then you look away for two seconds, boom, he touches the stove. Our God knows everything that you've ever done. He knows every time, but he remembers his love and his mercy. When your child touches the stove, you're not mad at them. You're not personally offended. You are hurting because they are hurting. And maybe you're out there right now and you're thinking to yourself, I don't need some God to come and save me. I've made it fine on my own so far. And to you, I've said, I would say, yes, you have. You've made it fine on your own. But you don't just have to make it fine anymore. Because there's a God that remembers you. He loves you. And he is waiting for you just to say yes to his invitation to a life filled with unimaginable joy and peace and love and forgiveness. Our God forgives and remembers. And if God forgives our sin and remembers his love, then I think the next step to take is that we need to remember his love and forgive others. Now, don't get me wrong. This is a lot harder than just deciding to forgive. And I don't know if you've been keeping track, but there's still one more thing about me that I wanted to tell you. The fifth thing that you should know about me is that I really struggle with forgiveness. And luckily, I don't think that I'm alone in this one. I want to tell you a story about a guy in the Bible who also struggles with the same issue. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Matthew 18, 21 through 33. Starting in verse 21, we read, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wants to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Let's pause here for a second. Let's talk about this 10,000 bags of gold. Other translations of this verse say 10,000 talents, which in that time would equate to about 60 million denarii. And I know what you're thinking. What is a denarii? Great question. A denarii is what someone would earn for one day of work. So that means that this man owes the king 60 million days of work, which is a lot. How does one run up that much debt? Student loans. Just kidding. I don't actually know. I have no idea. That's insane. That's an insane amount of debt. Continuing on. 
Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. Let's pause there. If we're going to assume that these silver coins were denarii, which a lot of people do, that would mean he owed this man about a hundred days' work. Not a small feat. Not 60 million, but still not a small feat. Continuing on. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell on his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. Pause. All right, let's talk about this. If we go back three verses, this same man who just threw someone into prison was on his knees begging for forgiveness. Now, I'm not sure I've held grudges. I've held grudges, okay? But I am nothing like this guy. Sure. I've held those grudges for, like, years, but I am nothing like this guy. Sure, I've obsessed over the ways people have wronged me, but I can't, I can't be something like this guy, right? I mean, sure, I'm forgiven every day for my sin. And sometimes I, I forget that, but I'm nothing like this man, right? But I suppose this man forgot so easily that he was just forgiven. I wonder if I'm more like this man than I'd like to admit. I wonder if you can relate to this as well. In verse 31, it says, When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? If our God forgives our sin and remembers his love, then we are called to remember his love and forgive others too. Now, I don't know about you, but up until now, every time I've heard that I'm supposed to forgive people, I've believed it like 85%. I'm there. I'm all there like 85% of the time. Because if I truly forgive people, that means not holding it over their heads. And that means not expecting anything in return. And that means not talking about it all the time. And if I'm being honest, that scares me. I have someone in my life that I really struggle forgiving. And I worry that if I truly forgive her, that somehow it'll undermine the pain that she caused me. If I forgive her, what if she thinks it's not a big deal? What if she tries to hurt me again? As I was reading those verses, though, the imperative nature of those words got to me. It doesn't say forgive 77 times 
as long as you have the emotional energy for it. It doesn't say forgive 77 times as long as you have all of your ducks in a row. It doesn't say forgive 77 times as long as you can handle it. It says forgive those who have wronged you 77 times because Jesus knows much more than I do that forgiveness is one of the greatest gifts that our Father has given us and it is one of the greatest gifts that we can give to another. We forgive not because we forget what happened. No, we forgive because our Father forgives us. And we forgive because when God forgives us, he does not hold it over our head. He does not bring it back up again as a way to manipulate us. Every time God forgives us, he says we are a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. If we are forgiven in such a manner... What if I don't have the strength to forgive her on my own? It's at that time that I trust that the way that the Lord has forgiven me can work through me. I need the love of Christ to work through me. And I don't want you to hear that forgiveness means subjecting yourself to a harmful relationship or abandoning your boundaries. We can forgive and remember without returning to that unhealthy relationship. However, we shouldn't use our boundaries as an excuse not to forgive someone. I've tried. It doesn't work. Our God forgives and remembers. So we must remember and forgive. Our God forgives our sin. He forgives when we separate ourselves from him, and he remembers that he is merciful, and that he is good, and that he is the source of our joy. We must remember and forgive. We remember the mercy and goodness and joy that he has freely given us, and we forgive others just the same. So, dear friends, just as our Father forgives and remembers you, so too do I charge you to remember and forgive others. Let's pray. Father, thank you for remembering us. Thank you for remembering us in our pain and in our hurt. Thank you for rescuing us. Father, please teach us how to remember your love. Teach us how to remember you and to forgive others just the same. In Jesus' name.